Thank you, Alex. Thank you for everyone that shared a word. I was reminded when um, Nita shared the word, I was reminded of a specific story that I uh, would like to share with you. I, I'm not, I think I shared it about two years ago, but I haven't shared it with you recently. But it's one of the most encouraging stories for me in my life, and maybe it speaks, it speaks encouragement to you also. Um, my grandfather whose names I bear, was a wonderful man, and uh, he lived a long life. He was an athlete until when he was about 88 years old. He still ran half marathons, and he was a gentleman. He was, a, he was, a, he was an incredible man. And, um, but s- something happened when he was younger that we don't exactly know why, but he, um, he was an unbeliever. He, he was a... He was an atheist, so the rest of our, of, of our family all knew God, and most of them really had a living relationship with him, but we could never go there with my grandfather. Um, and um, it's the one thing you could never even mention around him. And it was a, it was an, it, it was a, um, a hurtful thing in the family, and we always trusted God to do something, and I remember it, just after his 89th birthday, I think, um, he got sick, and he had, he had cancer, and he was being taken care of, but he was still doing rather well, and uh, now we were all praying, because this is not how we, would, how we would like it to end, and the thought of how it might end um, wasn't, <laughs> isn't that appealing, um, as you can Imagine and and the family prayed, and we trusted God. And I remember one day my wife came to me, my wonderful, obedient to God wife came to me, and she told me that this morning God told her that we should go share the gospel with with Opa. And I knew that could be a quite an interesting thing to do. And so I obeyed as good husbands do. And I felt in my heart to write a little letter with a prayer on a prayer of repentance that one could pray should one receive this, this, this word. And we went there, and I remember we had a brief conversation about a lot of normal things, and then I decided I, I don't know how to, how to say it. I just, I just said it. I just said, oh, I've got something to say, and I just explained to him the gospel as it is. And he was just silent. He didn't say anything. Um, and it kind of, the meeting ended there. So he said thank you. And we left. And I left the little letter there. I said, if you ever would like to pray, then you are, there's a prayer that might help you. Um, and we left. And about a couple of days later, we were away on a weekend with friends as most young workings do over long weekends. And uh, I remember my father phoned me, and he, to- and, and he phoned me via a friend because he couldn't get a hold of me. And uh, my friend said, your dad wants to speak to you about your grandfather. And I, I told the guys, I think, I think he passed away. I think that's 
probably the call. That's why it would be so serious to even kind of go around and phone some of my friends that he knows I was with. And I picked up the phone, and he said, he said, we were just with Opa, and he just surrendered his heart to the Lord. And I started, I started crying, as I don't do in front of my father. Or we don't really have a habit of crying in front of each other, but me and my mom do. So I told him, we give the phone to mom. I want to cry now. So we cried. And they just told me the most amazing story. He had some or other encounter with God that night. Something happened that night that we still don't know the details of. But he phoned my parents that morning and told them they need to come there urgently. And when they came there, he said... I need your God. I need to accept him now. And his face was changed. He was smiling. The nurses said that morning he looks different. Something happened. It's amazing to see him looking so well. And he, um, they looked for that um, little note with a prayer on. And they prayed it with him. It surrendered his heart to the Lord. And from that day, um, my mom said whenever she would enter the room in the days following, he would be sitting like this, praying the whole day. He would just be praying. He would just be in conversation with, with a God that he hasn't known for 89 years. Um, and he was, an, he, he was a great introvert also, so he didn't speak much. But he, he made sure to phone a lot of people he knew to let them know. We were staying in Durban back then, and uh, um, Tani, who lived in our in our complex, she even came knocking on our door and said that she's heard the story of our grandfather. Um, and the Germanies that on, um, uh, in the town actually went to go and verify this conversion because it sounded too good to be true. And two of them verified the conversion and came to testify at his funeral because he passed away four days later. Um, and he went to be with the Lord. So... That's a wonderful thing I always think about when I think about the great things that the Lord has done and the things I know that He can do. Um, that wasn't a part of the sermon, but fortunately I prepared a short one, so I could add this in there. Let us pray together. Father, I thank You that we can trust You, that You are faithful, and we can rely on Your goodness, God. And I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit and that you would do inside of us what needs to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been, um, I've been personally encouraged a lot this last while to engage in what one can call the, continu- the continual conversation. And I'd like to share some of that with, with you this morning. And uh, <laughs> I know that the tradition of the uh, the tradition of 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 man, if you want, is that this morning I should preach a Resurrection Sunday sermon, um, and uh, that's a beautiful thing to preach on. Um, however, it's I, I I am compelled by the Spirit of God to preach this sermon, and I am not compelled by the Word of God to preach a resurrection sermon, so um, I, I will continue with this one as I'm um, convinced through the Holy Spirit that this is the message we should be sharing this morning. Um, I want to read for us, and actually it will be 
from the crucifixion of Jesus and um, not the resurrection. I want to read for us from Matthew 27, from verse 45 to 54. Um, if you want, you can close your eyes and just uh, really, um, re- really take this in. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook. And the rocks were split, and the tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Scripture tells us that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And what I want to focus on this morning is the fact that the veil is torn and that the joy of God is fulfilled when we understand that now our life should be on the other side of that veil in continual communion with God because that is what he died for to establish with us continual communion, a relationship. Because we are so quick to run to religion and forms and things that work for us. But God wants to remind us that the joy set before him is that a sinner can be saved and reconciled to God again to have intimate communion with him that he could not have before. Only the high priest could enter, the, could enter behind that veil once a year. Only the high priest once a year could enter the very presence of God. Now it's, it's, it's made available. It's made available to those who believe. And so Hebrews 4.16 encourages us and says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of Need that we may come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may come to God boldly. We know 
not with a boldness that stems from our works, but from a boldness that comes from the, the fact that Christ did it all. But often, often we still want to add some ceremony to this entering His presence. Often we still add a lot of weight bef- on us when we think about engaging the presence of God, engaging the, the Holy God. And we, in a way, set ceremony before His presence as one would, as you came, if you, you would come to an altar and you would do your sacrifice and you would continue. And as the high priest would make, he would have a ceremony um, to cleanse himself and to, and, and, and to make right for the sins of the people before he could enter. And often we still make ceremony of this. And I, I believe that. One of the things the Lord wants to say is that we should really be careful, as holy as He is, to make a ceremony of something that is already finished. And what I believe God said to me as part of this is the ceremony is finished. 2,000 years ago, you enter in if you believe in His name. And that entering in is continual. That entering in is the whole time. That entering in is in every aspect of our daily lives. And as many times as we preach about the fact that it's a relationship we're called into and that we can commune with Him, so often I find myself just doing everything but neglecting to just, to just touch Him with my soul. To just truly, to just truly touch God one-on-one with my soul, just to reach out and lift my soul to Him and to let me and Him be together rather than me doing things for Him, um, even, even sometimes doing things with Him, but not taking a moment where it's just me and the Father and there's a relational connection. That is what was stolen. The walking in the garden with God was stolen was stolen from us and is the greatest privilege of man and the highest joy of man and of God to commune together, to walk together. Enoch was a man like that, it said in the word of God, who walked with God. And then some interpreters said that the passage that says that he was no more because God took him into that God just decided one day I love this man too much he must just come up and just be here with me now he didn't die he just, he just took him <laughs> and I've been challenged to reach out to God the whole time in every day and not a reaching out only because I need help not a reaching out because I want to ask for something, but I'm reaching out because I want to enjoy Him now. And I want to know Him now in this. I want to understand His heart for me right now. So, the encouragement is, is that this veil that is torn, this veil that is torn, opens up this way for us to lift up our soul to Him often and, in, and, and, and remove the ceremony and do it in simple, small moments every day. I've been reading Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. He has a book, it's, a, it's an old classic called The Practice of the Presence of God. 
And this man, his life story is the fact that he, he, he attained to the place where he was in a continual conversation with God. Where the sacred and the secular is completely removed. And where your, your continual conversation with God just never ends. And where you're behind the torn veil in the most holy of holies. And what I've learned from this place, I've learned a lot of things from this place. I've once again discovered the fact that God really likes me. Because he's got a lot of good things to say about me. The nice thing about conversing with God is, as Jesus said, my, um, my sheep will hear my voice. So our conversing with him is not only us babbling into empty space, but it's us waiting in small little moments where we just lift up our hearts to him and say, God, and he, he touches us in some way. He meets us in some way. He says something in some way that's just whether calming the storm or whether giving life to the party, he knows exactly what's needed to our soul in that moment. I've also learned a lot about his grace in trying this out because I've realized that a lot of times I would do things that I wouldn't be so sure what he would, what he would be thinking of if he's even okay with this. If I'm watching, if I'm watching a game of rugby, which I, I mean, is he even watching with me? I mean, does he even care about this? That was one of the reasons why I felt I couldn't always have a continual conversation with God, because I'm sure he's not watching rugby right now. And then to take that to God and to see him smiling on me, to experience him in the spirit smiling on me and explaining to me wonderful things about the fact that, first of all, he's communing with me right now. Um, and not necessarily with me watching rugby as much as I would be with my son when he's, when he's playing some game. I don't necessarily have to play the game, but I'm there with him. And that his love doesn't change. He's not angry at me for now. doing this thing that is not... His, his grace is sufficient. And he engages me even in my weakness and in, even in my sin. I found God to engage me as a loving father. And that has more than once broken my heart to think of the fact that even when I miss the mark and I reach out, he loves. He disciplines for sure, but he loves in that moment. So I'm, I, I don't have to somehow cleanse myself again to come before him now. No, it's done. I can come to him in repentance and he receives me. In that moment, it's taught me about grace. It has taught me about his lordship also. Because in those moments, I've realized every time I reach out to him, I am faced with the fact that I'm dealing with the holy of holies. I'm dealing with the holy God in the holy of holies. And that there are some stuff that needs to go. That just does not fit within the holy of holies if I need to meet with the holy God. And when I'm in conversation with him and with his grace and as a father he reveals that to me i surrender it (laughs) it's not always easy but i do because of the surpassing greatness of knowing him the surpassing greatness of just being able to hear him the only thing that can really 
calm our souls and give meaning to our lives. I believe the word of God and the whispers of His Spirit. You see, you remember the story of Martha and Mary. I often refer to the story of Martha and Mary. I think it's an amazing story we often miss. But Martha, the essence of the fact is Martha was doing things for Jesus. And as we do, we think that's super honorable. And it is. But she thought it's more honorable than what Mary was doing, sitting at his feet. And she told, she told Jesus to rebuke Mary for sitting at his feet and to help her serve him. And serving him as honorable as it is, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, one thing is necessary, the thing that Mary chose, to come and be with me, even more important than to come and serve me, is to be with me. Because if you know me, you'll know I'm the Lord of heaven and earth, and you will serve me and obey me for sure. And you will grow in that also. But to know me is the main aim. And many of us have grown up in environments where it's been about, where our Christianity has been religious. It's about religion. And it's become a lot of it. And often, and even in my own life, because I come from such a background, and often you would fall into it again just in new ways. You find new ways to do old sins for the rest of your life and then you realize you need the grace of God again but dead religion is this it's to be busy with the things of God and not with the God of things it's to be busy with the things of God even when you know even for me even as I know God led me to be in Cape Town for this season doing what I am because he spoke to us clearly and even though everything in my life I feel is aligned to what God has called me to do, that does not bring you satisfaction. That does not bring you comfort and peace, but only those moments where you engage with the living God and His Spirit washes over you and His Word just washes over you and it's life and it's real. Those moments when, 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 you, when, you, when you're busy with the God of all things, rather than just a lot of things. And we're not always even, we, most of the time, we're not even busy with the things of God. And this is the thing, that when we're not busy with the things of God, we don't think we can engage the God of the things. Are you with me? And we think, well, this is not really, I don't know if this is God's thing, so let's just not engage God now. But I've learned from Brother Lawrence, he says, why not at the beginning and at the beginning and during and after every task to engage him quietly and wait for his loving re response. And all those things fall into place. And the soul has no higher joy than that in small, simple moments every day. And you know what? This is not a message you can listen to and be encouraged and walk away because... I've also read from Brother Lawrence, he, would, he, would, he was also a human, and he would say it's a, it's this, this is a hard habit to learn. 
this is a habit that you must learn. You must retrain your brain to remind it of God, if you haven't. To remind it in every instance of God and to not think then of God, but to be then with God and to approach Him like He's there. Because He's often, all the time, much closer than what we think. And I'm convinced that when this habit is formed, if the Holy Spirit is stirring you to this as it is me, when this habit is formed, I am convinced there can be no sweeter thing. Um, he also writes and he says that often when he would be in his normal daily, uh, he would just be doing whatever he would and he would have moments with God, with the Spirit of God, and his Spirit would connect and they would, I don't know what would happen, they would converse in some way. And he says the joy that that enters him spontaneously is of such a great nature that he f- must find ways of, con- of containing it so that others wouldn't think that he's crazy. So, I mean, um, I think it's okay if you do show others that you're kind of crazy like David did. It's not the end of the world. He thought he, he lived in a monastery, so maybe it was better for him to contain it. But there the soul finds its ultimate satisfaction, I'm convinced. And that is what I want to invite you into. That is, what I, that is this notion that has come to me all the more and all the more and has been building on me all the more. The fact that we can have and should be having this continual conversation with him and that it is, in fact, one of the great joys that was set before Christ when he died. And Scripture says, do not neglect a salvation so great. Make sure that you don't neglect the salvation so great. And your soul searching for joy, your soul searching for, uh, just searching for peace, there's a fullness of joy in the presence of God. We can enter it boldly without ceremony right now as you lift your soul to Him right now. And not only in this place, but everywhere in your car, on your way to work, in a meeting, at home with the children crying, at a birthday party, and to understand and then recognize the grace of God and the Lordship and His holiness in those things. He would be there with you and He would disciple you through that. I want to um, end off with two quotes. One of them is from Brother Lawrence, and the other one is from a member in our congregation. I stole it f- from his Facebook page. And for his own, um, I don't want him to become too proudful about the fact that he's being quoted next to Brother Lawrence, so I didn't put his name there. Um, but the first quote I want to share with you. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who have practiced and experienced it. There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. 
Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. And this was a moment when um, Facebook wasn't that unholy. When he said, when all is said and done, our hope is not to be a skilled Bible reader, a practice prayer, prayer, a faithful churchman, or visibly mature Christian, but to be the one who understands and knows me that I am the Lord. If we could maybe close our eyes, and I've got to ask Matthew maybe to just come and pick up his guitar. We can all just close our eyes and let's just engage with God.